Podcast coming to Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, obviously a lot, a lot of news out of, out of Berea this morning um, and early this afternoon. Uh, a lot of changes have been made. Um, what started promising at a 2-2-1 two, two beginning uh, last week, uh, you know, I'm sorry, uh, the Chargers, an absolute blowout. You go into what is your litmus test right now in yesterday with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, other than a special teams gaffe, a game that was not nearly as close as a final score would have indicated the week before, a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you probably should have walked out with a win with. And if you did, maybe we wouldn't be in the spot we are today. But we're going to get the media side of this. Obviously, we've gotten guys like myself with the earlier show we did today. We're going to get the media side of it here. Uh, ben Axelrod, appreciated from WKYC, here to join us again today. Uh, ben, it started slow this morning, and nobody was really kind of getting a feeling where what was going on. And then all of a sudden, man, it just started pumping out like crazy. Yeah, it did. It was it was one of those days, and um, you know the the interesting part I think about it was after yesterday there was really no inclination that this was coming. Some sometimes you know as, as we've seen in the past, and maybe because this was mid season, it was a little different. But um, you know, in the past when when they would fire coaches, they would typically do it uh, the day of the game, and uh, you know you heard the rumblings last Sunday on on their way back from Tampa and and some of the rumor and innuendo that was there but um you know it, it was it, it was about noon 1 p.m when when this all started to, to trickle down so um yeah i mean it, it came out of nowhere and, and and then it all from from between uh hugh getting fired and, and then the news trickling out about todd haley and uh and and then the, the direction they were taking with with greg williams as well and freddie kitchens uh yeah i mean it it, it was a fast and furious day as as far as cleveland browns uh news was concerned um, now look, you know, obviously you know three thirty six and and one. I mean, there's just, I mean, at times there's just no way around that. But I think it also got to the point now where you, even if you had kept Hugh for the remaining games of the season, you you have a young core of really talented players. And how is it going to work out with these guys who were going to, you know, had to deal day in day out with a guy they knew who had zero impact on their future in this league. Yeah, and, and that's something that, you know, going back to really it was last week when, when I think a lot of people hit their breaking point. I, I know, you know, over the last two and a half years, fans and, and um, everyone had, has hit different breaking points as far as the Hugh Jackson experience is concerned. But it felt like last week after that Tampa game where every was just in universal agreement that, that, that Hugh Jackson cannot be this team's head coach moving forward, that, that he has no long-term future in Cleveland. Uh, I, I listened to uh, both both radio stations here in Cleveland last Monday morning, and they pretty much had the, the same shows on throughout the day, and it's you know, no one's fighting about it anymore. It, it used to be you, you'd fight over whether Hugh Jackson should should stay or go. Um, you know, I, I have not seen. You know, you you get a few a few people here and there who 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 think Hugh Jackson, you know, still got a raw deal, and and that that's a different conversation to be had. But um, it, the, the last last week to me after that Tampa game was really the the point of no return where where this season. 
as far as wins and losses was was completely lost and now especially after yesterday after after what happened in pittsburgh and not just the loss but but the way they lost that game and it felt like we had seen that game you know 200 times since 1999 and baker mayfield starting to get beat up and and all of that that I, I think yesterday was the point where you got to okay how much how much more damage can we continue to do to this franchise and 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 to Baker Mayfield specifically moving forward and and I think really you know for for ownership that was that was their breaking point and that was the thing I mean because look two two and one I mean you kind of just got to stray the course and say look I mean we're we're doing a lot better than we anticipated. But now, you know, you know, obviously, you know, the, the Charger lost very ugly. The Steelers lost very ugly. And, you know, everybody wanted to harp on the odd Baker Mayfield fumble, you know, right before half against Tampa. Meanwhile, guys like myself are like, well, why was there not a field goal kick there? And then, you know, the odd, you know, QB sneak call, you know, whoever was responsible. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down onto a head coach. And then everybody, I can't believe we lost in overtime to a 59-yard field goal. Well, you had a chippy field goal at half. You had a you know fourth and goal from about eight nine inches that didn't work out. It should have never come down to a fifty nine yard field goal. And now, as as promising as it all felt at two two and one, you know over a three week cycle, now it just felt like you know. And I hate to say it because obviously we all have a lot more faith in the personnel and the talent on this roster, but it was almost like well you know, is it same old Browns again? Is it maybe same old Browns because it's same old head coach? You know, it's it's interesting because after the the Saints game and after the Raiders game, the the way they lost those games really, you could argue, especially the Saints game, just just fluky losses, fluky, where where somehow not even because of necessarily through through their own fault, they they just wound up losing those games. Whether you want to put all the blame on Zane Gonzalez for the Saints game or the referees for for the Raiders game. And people were saying that's same old Browns, and and to me that's not the same old Browns. To me, the the same old Browns was yesterday. Are, <laughs> yes, it was it was yesterday, and it was the team that that fell down fourteen uh, nothing to the Jets, and it was the team that uh, last week, whatever it was, they fell behind to to Tampa Bay, uh, the team that got smoked on their own home field by the Chargers. That to me is the same old Browns. It, it was actually. It was interesting experiencing this team when not only were they at two, two and one, but but you could argue they could be four and one, or you could mm-hmm. argue that they could be uh, 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 three and two, or, or whatever you thought they should be. It, it felt like they were playing better than what their record indicated. But but when you have games like yesterday, it, it that to me is same old Browns. That that is a game that that you know, like I said, we've seen. You see it coming from from a hundred yards away. You you just know what this team is going to do. And, and, you know, once you started to see, it seems like every time, you know, cracks in this organization and, and dysfunction, and it starts to bubble up. And we saw it with Hugh Jackson's comments about the play calling and, and all of that. It seems like the Steelers are, are sometimes it's the rate of the Ravens, I guess, but usually it's the Steelers are, are right around the corner to, to take full advantage of it. And that's what made yesterday so predictable. And, and to me, you know, this season, I don't know how much it is still a lost season, and, and we'll see what they do from here. Their their schedule isn't exactly friendly, and, and I don't have a whole lot of faith in Greg Williams as the interim head coach, but um, at least it is not the same lost season anymore that it felt like it was going to be had they, they retained Hugh Jackson. Yeah, and that's kind of it. Uh, you know, like Greg, Greg's going to kind of have to, you know, be a little more flexible here because, you know, Greg, who is the toe-the-line guy and do this, do that, 
and now that you know he's got his guys on defense, and I think they, I think they are kind of you know in agreement with him. Obviously, Miles Garrett, you know, had the, the play calling, you know, differences yesterday, but you know, Greg's got to understand what this next eight weeks is about. It's it's about developing every drop, and whether Greg's part of 2019 or not, it's about having every one of these guys having every kink worked out. So 2019 is about winning week in and week out you know and and i don't even for for greg williams i don't think greg williams has much of a future in cleveland i i think anybody one he's not going to be the head coach i mean they they could win out here and and i'm I'm stunned they even made him named him interim i i i am as well it 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 really but but to, to to that point this is a second chance for Greg Williams here to to save his reputation that he probably it was going to take some bizarre circumstance like this where both the the head coach and the offensive coordinator get fired and he's the last guy standing. I, I don't think um, you know I mean I mean if they won out here which they're obviously not going to do that's about what it would take and, and that's obviously not going to happen um, I, I think they are going to go into full-blown coach search mode um, and, and we can get into that in a little bit but um, this is an opportunity for Greg Williams to, to salvage his reputation to, to put bounty gate finally behind him um, you know he he probably is never going to get a head coaching job again but if he does you know it's going to take an opportunity like this so um i'm interested to see what kind of head coach he is i'm I'm obviously interested to see how he deals with the media and and whether he scales that back i'm I'm interested to see how he how he deals with the players but um yeah i mean this is an opportunity for him now where i mean that that's you know when you get into a situation like this really that that's about all he could have asked for no, I, I, I 100% agree, and it, it seems a little weird, and, you know, Greg with his history, and it is always, you know, people are going to go back, and I know there were, there were writers already bringing it up today, but, you know, I, I think if you said, well, if Hugh Jackson could be here in 2019, Todd Haley could be here in 2019, or Greg Williams, you know, ideally, you know, a lot of people think you're going to go for an offensive counterpart to what all that you have invested with Baker, and, you know, I think some people look at Sean McVay and Wade Phillips and say, hmm. You know, maybe if you found that young gun offensive hire, maybe it would just make it a lot easier if you had an established guy like Greg. So it's interesting to see how that works out. Guys, obviously with the news yesterday out of the, the Cavaliers with Lou, and now today, obviously with the Browns with Hugh, uh, Lockdown Cavs, Chris Manning does a fantastic job over there, guys. Check it out. Uh, go ahead, uh, subscribe. He's got you covered through you know the next couple of months, which is going to be a tough you know year, obviously, for the Cavaliers as well. <laughs> Now, as we move on, um, now, Ben, um, then the next shoe dropped. And this one, I would say, was a tad bit surprising. But I think Todd Haley took this job with the ultimate goal in mind of, I'm hoping Hugh Jackson gets hot, fired, and I'm going to get a shot to audition to be a head coaching candidate again. And I think at the end of the day, he chose to do things his own way, which included, you know, Carlos Hyde and his 3.2 sterling yards per carry that he continued to do week in, week out until John Dorsey got on a plane for Florida and made sure Carlos Hyde was on a plane for Florida going in a completely different city. (laughs) So I I think it was just kind of interesting how this worked out because a lot of people assumed it would be Todd because they wouldn't let Greg be the interim head coach, but it just seemed John had kind of had his fill. And even though if it was a short plate of food, he had his fill with Todd Haley as well. Yeah, I mean, and and I think it was more... I, I don't know how much Todd Haley got fired for the on-field product. Obviously, the offense hasn't been very good, but um, you know, better than we, what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, and, and 
and with Baker's men and with the lack of receivers on this team, I mean, you, you could make enough excuses that you could probably justify keeping Todd Haley in, in this scenario. Um, Todd Haley did not come in here, though, with a very good reputation. I mean, the, the fact that he was celebrated as a home run hire for the Browns says more about the Browns than it says about Todd Haley. Uh, I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh was, was glad to see him go and and they didn't mind, you know, him, him walking and and going to an alleged (laughs) division rival, but um, you know, Todd Haley, you know, and and even that whatever happened last year where what there was a bar fight in Pittsburgh or, or whatever. I mean, Todd Haley is a guy who, a little bit like Greg Williams, who there are people who think he he's pretty much been blackballed as far as ever being a, an NFL head coach again, just because his reputation is is such. And, and we'll see how that plays out and, and where he goes from here. But yeah, I mean, to, to me, this was a scenario where I thought, you know, it, it didn't when the reports started to come out from from Mary Kay and from Ian Rappaport the last couple of days that Todd Haley might be the one on the chopping block, that didn't seem to make a lot of sense in, in a vacuum. But but when you put it together with both he and Hugh Jackson getting fired and, um, you know, essentially – for, for for not acting like adults and for feuding in the media and, and for putting on the show that they put on for hard knocks and, and all of that, um, then it makes a lot more sense. You know, that that was one of the big themes of the press conference was this discord but in, in the organization and and you know it, it was probably a doomed marriage from the start. I, I don't think Hugh Jackson ever wanted an, an, an offensive coordinator. I, I think he uh, you know I, I think that this was a forced marriage for him and um, yeah I mean I, I the, the offense has not been good. I, I think that goes without saying. But when it comes especially to Todd Haley's firing, and then to a degree Hugh Jackson's, um, you know, I, I think it's much more about about what was going on behind the scenes. And I do agree with that. And, and look, there was a lot of talk that, you know, Todd Haley was just kind of doing his own thing, which was, you know, not the case because, you know, there was a lot of youth here, and that's what it should have been about. And if they, sprint, if they had spent a premium pick on Nick Chubb, he kind of assumed Nick Chubb was going to get a lot of run, which he hadn't seen until they had no choice but to give Nick Chubb a lot of run. And the other thing is, you know, Todd Haley, obviously the options weren't there because, you know, look, I mean, Hugh Jackson needed a miraculous season to remain the Cleveland Browns head coach, but this was kind of the only job Todd Haley could get. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, the, the Steelers were, were glad to see him go. And um, I don't I don't know how many other teams wanted Todd Haley as their offensive coordinator. Probably not many or, or not any because odds are he, he would have been there rather than, you know, going into. And, and it's not only, you know, Hugh Jackson or whatever. It's it's if if. You know, the odds were Hugh Jackson was going to get fired at the end of the season had he made it to the end of the season. And and from there, whoever you hire is bringing in a, a new coaching staff. I, I can't imagine Todd Haley came here thinking that this Browns gig was going to last for, for more than a year. And, and unless he thought he was going to take over as offensive coordinator and, and somehow miraculous or take over as, as interim head coach, I'm sorry, uh, and, and miraculously lead this team to, to victory, it just wasn't going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, it, it, you know, 
even going back to, to John Dorsey being brought in, like these forced marriages in the NFL, they just don't work out. GMs want to hire their own guys. Head coaches want to hire their own guys as far as assistants go. And you you had a situation here where uh, you had a head coach working for a GM who, who the GM didn't hire, and, and you had an offensive coordinator working for a head coach who the head coach didn't hire. Um, quite frankly, like it's amazing this thing lasted until week eight. <laughs> Well, I think they got lucky with the two, two, and one, and that's kind of yeah. where it got to where it's at, uh, guys. Locked on Chiefs, obviously. Um, look, guys, it's going to be a difficult game this Sunday. Um, the Chiefs come in and just clicking on all cylinders. Um, let's not measure this in wins and losses. Let's make sure we can get uh, guys come out and we get yet another sixty-minute effort because that was kind of the thing that was going well here. Is we were getting guy, we were getting the team playing first gun to final gun. But locked on Chiefs, I'm going to join those guys. We'll do a, a crossover episode this week. Yeah, obviously, there's going to be a lot to talk about Browns-wise, and these guys can gush about how well that offense is playing right now. So locked on Chiefs, guys. Put it into the rotation. Anything you need to know for Sunday's game, they're going to have you covered over there. Uh, now, we're going to you know go ahead uh, and moving forward here, Ben. Uh, it's going to be interesting how it plays out through, obviously, you know, with the last eight games, you know, which we'll probably cover for about two and a half months. Uh, you know, the, the, the trade deadline tomorrow, that's another thing. I don't think this team is in any position to be buying. If anything, maybe if anybody's interested in anything that John wants to move on from, I think that's probably a possibility because you're not going to go acquiring assets when you still have a head coach you're going to go look for. Yeah, it, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how John Dorsey handles this. The, the one thing I would say is there are just two glaring holes on this roster. I mean, there, there are obviously a lot of holes on this roster still, um, especially in terms of depth, but, but wide receiver and offensive tackle. Now those two are so glaring that, that they're going to have to address them at some point. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the market is as far as who's going to be available in that regard. Um, they have, you know, they have assembled a, a nice uh, pile of assets again between what John Dorsey did, you know, during the off season and then uh, just prior to the season and, and, and even during the season with uh, trades. So they do have a nice, you know, pile of assets that they can take a couple of swings here. I, I don't know if the market will dictate that they, that they do that, but um, that's the one thing that the, the, the one reason why I think they could be active tomorrow is they just you know offensive tackle has been such a disaster these last few weeks and, and wide receiver they they need basically as many warm bodies as they can at this point um so so we'll see but um yeah it's 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 definitely you know it, it, with so much uncertainty in that building still um yeah i mean it, it might make sense to to just play it safe and, and punt and, and wait until the offseason um well and this is just one and this is just to hear uh you know to throw in Rashard Higgins, do we think it's a possibility this week? And and, and it's funny to say because it, as Rashard Higgins, who was you know waved you know during camp last year, and now looks like he's almost Baker's favorite guy. I mean, this is how you know high you know Rashard Higgins has kind of climbed within a new quarterback and a new focus. Any chance you think? Or? I don't know. Obviously, that wasn't a big talking point today. Yeah, obviously, at, uh, <laughs> at, at the media availability, uh, they didn't even seem to know if any players had been injured uh, yesterday during the game. Um, I would the, the only it might make sense to try to get to that bye week um, and, and and see where Higgins is there, just because you know it, it is the Chiefs coming to town, and uh, as much as you you want to believe you can win every game, I mean it, it's going to take a miracle to win on Sunday. So um, I, I don't 
this is one where if, if I was them and if they like Richard Higgins and obviously he, he had started to develop some uh, chemistry with Baker Mayfield, I, I don't know if I rush him out there. I, I probably try to get to that bye week and assess it from there. Well, even still, it's the old you know adage of, oh, maybe if you were ready today, all right, well, then we'll have you ready for next week. And, and there's no reason right. to rush him. Um, obviously, you know, uh, po- you know, popular names, uh, you know, uh, DeFilippo, uh, Eric Bieniemy, Lincoln Riley, a dream who, you know, got put in a tough spot today, who didn't completely say no, but in the same respect also said, look, I've got a game to play this week. Typical coach speak, you know, for a Monday presser. Um, in your opinion, and obviously this, you know, don't have much here and there's nothing, nothing being speak- spoken about right now. In your opinion, do you think it's better to go offensive and, and find Baker that, you know, that counterpoint? Because, I mean, defense, you're pretty solid there. I mean, other than, a, you know, a few more chits is always going to be nice. Um, you think maybe that is the best avenue to go and obviously be enemy with the Kansas City Chiefs ties. And also you might get a little slice of that Kansas City Chiefs offense. Yeah, I, I think just the way the NFL is going to that, that that probably makes the most sense is to to have an offensive minded guy in there developing your your number one overall pick quarterback. I mean that that's the one thing that obviously that that's what's been missing from this franchise since 1999 is is a franchise quarterback. And um, if you can do everything you can to to help them uh, and, and help Baker Mayfield, I, I think that makes the most sense. And then you look at John Dorsey's ties. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's probably going to be, I, I would imagine he would want an offensive guy in there. Um, you know, in, in, it's interesting because it, I think it's just way too early to begin speculating, although that won't stop any of us from doing it. Um, <laughs> I, I saw the Lincoln Riley press conference today. I mean, any college coach who gets asked about this, they'd be silly to to completely rule it out because one, you never know what's going to happen. And then two, um, you know, you, you can always parlay it into a nice raise from your current school if you're happy with your situation. So you'd be foolish to, to completely dismiss it at this point. And that's why you're going to see a lot of, you know, non-answers at, at this juncture but it's just so early you know you never know what other jobs are going to be open you never know you know who's going to make a deep playoff run who whose name is going to be out there uh, as that next hot young head coach obviously for Lincoln Riley uh, Lincoln Riley almost makes too much sense to me right like it, it, it would almost seem weird it seems like we always fantasize about these college coaches uh, teaming back up with their college quarterback and and all all of that I can't remember a scenario where it's ever actually happened so um, I'm not getting my hopes up for Lincoln Riley yet I, I know there's the Northeast Ohio ties with with Matt Campbell uh, mm-hmm. DeFilippo obviously makes a lot of sense and, and it sounds like he left Cleveland on pretty good terms which you can't say about many people who have, who have <laughs> left here so uh, we'll see but but yeah I mean that that's that's another reason why I think getting rid of Hugh at this point, if you're going to get rid of him, makes a lot of sense because now you can, you know, get as much of a head start as you possibly can on this. And and this is this coaching search for Jimmy Haslam, right? This is a, an opportunity for him to finally get it right. And, and this is going to sound silly, but they had been in the cycle since they fired Rod Chudzinski uh, in 2013 after that one where really because of of the lack of stability that showed it put them on this two two year and out path and and that's one reason why jimmy haslam was so determined to to keep hugh jackson for a third season is at least now you can say you know nobody's gonna fault them for firing hugh jackson everybody you know it is what it is his record is what it is 
Um, now you can go out there with a fresh start with, with a showing a commitment from ownership. And, and obviously Jimmy Haslam is Jimmy Haslam. Like his, his track record speaks for itself, but this is, and, and then you factor in Baker Mayfield and, and the talent on the defense. This is the most attractive. This Browns job has been since Jimmy Haslam bought the team. Uh, now it's just a matter of going out there and, and not getting in the way. Yeah. And, and finding the guy you can ultimately trust with the position and the one negative I would maybe just say with a guy like Lincoln Riley is um, now Baker and him. Obviously, they're tight. You know, Baker is here because of working with him and where he got him. But it's you know friends and money, and and that's what it comes down to when it's in the NFL. And if one thing were to go wrong, somebody's going to get chosen, the other one isn't, and then all of a sudden you're talking about maybe a fractured relationship. So that's sometimes why you know when it almost seems too good to be true, maybe why they don't happen. Because obviously both of them want the best for each other. So maybe sometimes if you're together and look and where this is all about wins and that's how it gets marked, you know, somebody may not, you know, at this level, uh, you know, agree with something the other's doing. And then it, you know, ends up in a fractured relationship, which is what no franchise is looking for. But Ben, I do want to thank you so much here for your time this evening. Uh, You know, I hope there's extra coffee and I hope you guys have uh, (laughs) at least been being fed because it's been a long day. Um, But before we let you go, Ben, because we like to do it. (laughs) How great was the Charlotte and Becky match last night? Oh, it, it was great. And it was, um, you know, it, it was probably the best main roster WWE match of the year. And, um, you know, that story has had, you know, its warts. And uh, I thought it may, might have been a good spot to do the old do- double turn and, and turn Charlotte heel and uh, finally make Becky a face. But, um, I mean, that that was, you know, the, probably the best women's match I've seen since Sasha Banks Bailey and, and NXT. Like, that was a really, yep. really great match. So um, it was a fun show overall. Um, the only match I honestly didn't care for that much was the opener with, with Lita and Trish. I, I thought um, that was a pretty sloppily done match, but it actually prob- it, it, it actually seemed to get a good reaction. But that show was just so unique and, and so fresh, and um, it, it, it's really cool that they pulled it off the way they were able to. Yeah, and I mean, me sitting with my daughters and watching it through their eyes, yeah. it, was, it was just the whole thing was just absolutely cool. It was very well done, and look, if that, that's something they want to do once a year, I think they should because, look, I mean, there's only, you know, so many of these guys now. And, look, you know, with Roman Reigns, you know, and, and things, they're losing talent. Uh, you look, there's nothing wrong with these women. And, and the people enjoy it and, and the athleticism and what, where these women are willing to go and take these matches has been an absolute blast. Yeah, and, and as long as they keep doing these Saudi Arabia shows, I think they're going to have to keep doing these shows uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if the women aren't going to be allowed on the Saudi shows. So, uh, yeah, this uh, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I went into it pretty skeptical because I thought it was a total PR move, but, but even if the intentions of it weren't necessarily pure, um, I really thought they pulled it off, and, and I'm really glad they did it. Yeah, no, and that was even the thing, because it was a good Sunday night game, and I actually had my eyes on my computer more than I had on the television. And look, yeah. if you're WWE, that's what you're shooting for. Uh, guys, yeah. ben, ben Axelrod does a fantastic job over at WKYC. Uh, go ahead, follow along, read all the work there he does. He puts a lot of effort in and a lot of detail into the work. The Locked On Browns podcast, we always keep it follow back, guys. So go ahead, do that. Anything you want, guys, I don't care. I will DM anybody. I will stick my nose in. I get told no, I get told no. You guys know I don't care. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, Guys, until we talk to the next time, let's go Browns, LGB on the LOB.